Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, master your sleep, master your health with Molly McLaughlin. We are having difficulties with our sleep. Often what a very common thing we'll see is up down relationship to bedtime, wake time, you know, oh, it was such a hard night last night. So I'm gonna sleep in late or I'm gonna take a really long nap or I'm gonna somehow be throwing off that rhythm. And then in the throwing off of that rhythm, then we might find that our meals are thrown off and there can be what's known as metabolic jet lag. So, cause the timing of our food is a real clear indicator of those zeitgeibers, those time givers to the body of what time uh, it is and what hormones need to be released and why when we start having inconsistent timing of when we're eating, then that can throw off a uh, confusing series of triggers to the body. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I am grateful to bring to you today an amazing resource in the health and biohacking community, Molly McLaughlin. And she's going to share why sleep is a skill and how you could master that skill so you could reduce inflammation, burn fat, feel energized, and live a rock star life. Molly shares her pain to purpose story of why she wanted to be at the forefront of this sleep renaissance. We talk about what to do if you're currently taking a sleep medication or heavily relying on supplements to get sleep and how we could kind of wean off of that and allow your body to tap into natural, deep, restorative sleep. We discuss the role sleep plays on your weight loss journey and keto journey as well. We talk about the relationship between quality sleep and focus and improved cognitive performance. I mean, how many of us want to think sharper and remember names better and just be more productive? We talk about how to do that. We talk about the glymphatic system and this drainage that occurs with the brain during the first part of the night during your sleep and how it prevents things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And she gets into practical sleep tips you could start to utilize starting tonight. We also dive deep into the different stages of sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep, and other practical ways for you to really enhance your night of sleep. Molly is such a great resource out there. We had so much fun on the episode that you're going to hear today. She's got great energy, a great attitude, and we really geeked out well together. So you're going to enjoy her when I bring her on very soon. Before I do, I want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Mad3 titled Keto Camp Rocks. I'm always looking for healthy podcasts, and I just found one. 
good, clear information. I binge listen to the podcast to get caught up. Thank you, Mad3, for binge listening to the show. I am so glad that you're enjoying the episodes we release two to three times per week. Your review and rating really makes a big difference. So thank you so much. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcasts, please do so today as it makes a big difference for the show. Did you know that the number one cause of cellular inflammation, and when I say cellular inflammation, I'm referring to cell membrane inflammation, the number one cause of that, nope, it's not sugar, not even vegetable oils. It's actually toxins, toxicity. I'm somebody who is a big believer that if you want to get well, you got to fix the cell. That's what my mentor, Dr. Pompa, said, and he's right, specifically the brain cells. These toxins that come into our life from breathing, touching our skin, our food supply, our water supply, they bioaccumulate and get stored in our tissues, which create inflammation in the body. Yeah, keto, fasting, carnivore, ancient healing strategies, these are great ways to reduce inflammation in your body. But if you have an upstream cause, it's going to be very difficult, damn near impossible, to get the optimal health that you seek. That's why I'm excited to share my program that I'm releasing called True Cellular Detox with Ben Azadi. If you want to learn how to properly detox your body to start removing those toxins from your body and reducing inflammation so keto and fasting can work that much better, then I want to share this opportunity with you. We only launch this program three times per year, and we take only 15 people in each program. If you would like to work with me for 90 days alongside Dr. Daniel Pampa, Dr. Mindy Peltz, to understand true cellular detox, which includes four 60-minute Zoom calls with me and the other members, all the supplementation, and the most accurate test for assessing cellular inflammation called the meta-oxy test, which is 50 times more accurate than any blood test looking at cell membrane inflammation, you get all that as part of your membership to this 90-day program. I want you to head to ketocampdetox.com. Ketocampdetox.com, camp is spelled with a K. Learn more about it. Hopefully, you're hearing this on time because once we reach 15 people, we are going to close this program and the next one will not open for another four to five months from right now. So head to ketocampdetox.com. I'd love to work with you and show you exactly how to detox the right way. We will also drop a link for that down below in the show notes. Okay, let's dive in to sleep with Molly McLaughlin. Molly is the creator of Sleep is a Skill, a company that optimizes how sleep through a unique blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral change can make all the difference for you. Her obsession with sleep came after her pain-to-purpose story, which we'll hear shortly. With a background of psychology and human behavior, Molly went deep down the rabbit hole to solve her sleep disturbances. She became fascinated with chronobiology and, by extension, its practical applications to restore a state of homeostasis to sleep. For the past few years, she's traveled the world testing sleep quality in different environments across the globe. Knowing the difference between a life with sleep and without, she's dedicated to sharing the forgotten skill set of sleep. Molly McLaughlin, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this conversation today. I know we're going to get into a lot of exciting topics, so really, really was happy to see this on my calendar today. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. I had a lot of fun with you when I was on your podcast, Sleep is a Skill podcast. Yeah, you're a great podcast host, and we have some really good dynamic with our conversations. We have very similar histories, and we met at the Biohacking Congress, and we were both the best students at that conference at the front taking notes, and we noticed that about each other, which was super cool. So I want to start here. Uh, I heard you say that there's this sleep renaissance going on, and, and you're right, and thank God there is. But why did you decide to be at the forefront of the sleep renaissance? Why did you focus on that? So where was you, where were you before, and then how did you get to here today? Yes, well, first off, I completely am just so grateful to be able to have this conversation with you because I so admire all the work that you've been doing and your vulnerability of sharing what you know the past has been for you and how this led to your passion project. And that's really uh, aligned with how I found myself in this space because my background had been in behavioral change and yet here I am talking about sleep. So how did that happen? Why is this blonde girl talking about sleep? What's the deal? So I created sleep as a skill to really solve my own problem with my sleep. And what that looked like was for years, living in the middle of Manhattan, burning the candle at both ends, had a lot of labels about uh, my sleep. I'm a bad sleeper. I'm a night owl. I'm a short sleeper. It's in my genes. It's this, it's that and the other. And really also had it that it was just that way. And it was fixed for me like that. And there was really no, no need to focus on it because that's how it was. And it wasn't until I really went through my own period of insomnia while traveling internationally. And that was really my rock bottom in my life of, uh, or at least, you know, one of the lowest points that I've experienced on my journey, because, uh, and it's certainly these things often, as we'll I'm sure get into with sleep, they don't come out of nowhere. They don't come out of a vacuum. It's often a series of things and a management of our, of our life and workability of our life and a number of things that we can get into that then for, in my experience, then culminated into this bout of insomnia that really changed everything. And at its lowest point, I was in Croatia, couldn't sleep for days, went to the doctors with Google Translate and was just like, help, you know, I, I can't sleep. And I leave with a prescription of their version of Ambien. And in that moment, it was like, okay, this is something's got to change here. And yet at the same time, still so at a loss of what's next. I just knew that there, there had to be another way. So that ensued a whole going down the rabbit hole of understanding so many things that really transformed the path uh, that I was on and transformed my life because understanding chronobiology, circadian rhythm optimization, uh, some of the structuring of my relationship to my days and how I could make a difference with my sleep just absolutely changed the course that I was on. And I couldn't stop talking about it after that point. So I started working just organically with people to, that were struggling with their sleep. And then it kind of snowballed into, and now we have online courses and small groups and one-on-ones and podcasts and newsletters and you know all of these things to really, our aim is to help people really make a difference no matter where they're at with their sleep, but also really stand in this context that sleep is a skill, that like any skill, wherever you're starting at, there's opportunity to up level and kind of shift the narrative versus you either are a good sleeper or a bad sleeper or you know it's a fixed way for you so that there's so much that we can actually get dare I say excited about in the area of sleep and really have fun with this skill set. Oh, that's such a great share. What, a, what an interesting story. I didn't know that about the insomnia. That must have been such a, a nightmare, no pun intended. So you, uh, question with the Ambien, their, their version of the Ambien. Did you have, how long did you take it for? Did you have difficulty weaning off of it? Yeah. 
Uh, so one, this was a three month period while, uh, we were traveling and we actually had a one-way ticket because, uh, I think this was kind of the beginning we later then, and my fiance and I then spent over three years right up until before the pandemic, um, being kind of digital nomads. We took our businesses on the road from Manhattan, but it was in the beginning of this. And, uh, before that was actually a successful version, we actually had a one-way ticket and had to come back early to New York to handle my sleep. That's how it was really the was that not working? Um, and so with that, during those three month period, that was really, really challenging. And when I came back to New York, then it was a concerted effort. So I went through all kinds of different practices, met with different doctors and how to uh, also wean off of that. And it takes a lot. It took a lot of soul searching. And actually the experience on the other side was really absolutely empowering because there was a period when I thought, I guess this is the journey for me that I'm going to always have to be taking these things. And that felt very disempowering for something that should uh, presumably be so primal, which is sleep. And so now I do have a number of clients that come our way that have uh, experienced all kinds of things down the path of their sleep disturbances, whether they've become reliant on certain things. And sometimes it's even just stacks of things. It might be these, this particular supplement regime or particular way that things have to be. And so even that can still fall in that world of being external based of, you know, needing to have things uh, in order to get that sleep that we're looking for, which can also uh, be challenging and disempowering at times. So if somebody is relying on a sleep medication or even just heavy supplementation to even get somewhat good sleep, what would be the first action step for them? What should they do? What should they seek? Yeah, great question. So one, we have uh, two frameworks that we operate within from sleep as a skill. So one is called the sleep tripod. So understanding having workability between uh, like any great tripod, having three legs that are functioning uh, kind of in accordance with themselves. One being the leg of psychology, your mindset, you know, kind of understanding did something acute happen? Or is this a chronic kind of outlook pattern? What's kind of at the source of this? Because certainly that's what's so wild about sleep. And as you and I were sharing we were good students, you know, this was felt soul crushing to me because I couldn't seem to think my way out of the difficulties of sleep. And I think for many of us, if we are, you know, high achievers or, you know, out to create that amazing life and sleep is one of those things that can be paradoxical in nature because it, the forcing of it doesn't always seem to work. So one, getting connected to that psychology element of things and where we're at, uh, physiology of certainly with the work that you're doing and understanding the foods that we're taking in, how we're responding to, you know, a series is really blood testing all of those elements from the physiological perspective, because that's a big one. Uh, and there's so many elements that we can certainly discuss that can impact our sleep results. And then finally, environmental as I would make the argument that many of us in Western societies have areas within our environment that we can up-level. It's not just about those traditional things like, you know, the top 10 sleep advice, you know, make your bed, bedroom a particular way, while that is important, but it's also the management of our environment from the moment we wake up until we go to bed. Uh, and so it's understanding this element of, which leads us into the second framework, which is circadian rhythm entrainment. 
and in training our circadian rhythm is really, that was an incredibly empowering place for me to stand, the understanding that our circadian rhythm really exists on a spectrum and you can either be on the weak side of their spectrum or on the strong side of the spectrum or somewhere within there and, and that it is dynamic. And so understanding, oh my gosh, I have a say in what's going on here and actually can entrain this rhythm and strengthen it so that really our goal is that so much of this becomes automatic so that we're not having to think about it so, so much. And then you automatically are waking up at around the same time each day. You're automatically getting sleepy at around the same time each day. But there's a number of steps that we can go into in alignment with that. But also important element is that many of us, even with that sleep tripod, if there's, you know, things that we want to work on there, you know, some dysfunctions, there's some uh, psychological components, environmental, so we're moving on all those, but that circadian rhythm and treatment, no matter what, as we're doing those in tandem, those can help uh, in the process. They might not be the whole story, but they can really dramatically help bring that level of consistency to our sleep, which sleep loves, loves, loves consistency. So, you know, we can get into some of the, what those triggers are. They're known as, uh, from circadian rhythm entrainment, they're known as zeitgeibers. So it's time givers that inform our body of what to be doing when, and it releases, you know, a whole cascade of hormones at certain times of the day that we want to optimize for. And certainly for all the goals that you have in your community, they are really, really crucial interplay and kind of marriage between the two. Mm, yeah, I love talking about that circadian rhythm. And for sure, we're going to dive deep into how to, how to optimize that. Okay, so you have the sleep tripod, you have physiology, psychology, environment, the second framework is circadian rhythm. And let's kind of get into two action steps from each one. But before we get into that, Molly, I do want to really paint the picture for the, the keto campers listening, because I do talk about sleep a lot. I think I know that sleep is more important than diet and exercise combined. I know you feel the same way. And, and I could say it simply because you could go days without eating food, fasting. You could go days without exercise, standard American. <laughs> but you cannot go days without sleep. You would turn into a crazy person like Molly was when she was in Croatia. So You didn't want to hang out with me then. No, no, no. I no. imagine you're uh, <laughs> My fiance. fiance yeah. Oh, my God. He gave me a second name. He was like, Amanda. Ugh, I do not want to hang out with Amanda. That was just too much. You know, because like anyone, it's it's so true. And while my story might be a more extreme version, I think we can all have times in our life where our sleep, we had these flare-ups. And why is this so elusive to me or evasive? And why can't I get it to the uh, level that I want it to when it seems like it's the exact time when I need it, when things are really not going the way I want them to? So even if my story is out here, you can certainly find yourself in that space. And there's a lot of things that we can do and speak about today that we can do to make a difference. Absolutely. So let's start right here. Let's let's make the case for sleep. Somebody wants to do keto. They want to do intermittent fasting. And want to, they want to lose 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds. How does sleep factor into weight loss? Ugh, big one. Yeah. So one, sleep and weight loss are so, even just from that common sense perspective, going to be so clear. The reason for that is that the interplay between the two is one where if we're not sleeping, we know that even just uh, certain studies look at even just a few days of sleep deprivation, we're already seeing that our glucose levels are oscillating at a higher level to start before you even get to 
whatever, the, the temptations, the this, that, and the other, uh, before you even add more stressors into the mix, uh, before you start pushing out your timeline of when you might be eating and getting into some of the, so understanding that uh, glucose works on its own rhythm as well. So there's an interplay there that already can set us up uh, in a way that makes it just all the more challenging to resist those temptations when we're running on uh, that period of even acute sleep deprivation, but even chronic sleep deprivation, then that can bring about its own problems. So then our ability to resist what comes our way is challenged. And then we can see more and more of that snowball effect happening. And then if we are having difficulties with our sleep, often what a very common thing we'll see is up down relationship to bedtime, wake time, you know, oh, it was such a hard night last night. So I'm going to sleep in late, or I'm going to take a really long nap, or I'm going to sub- somehow be throwing off that rhythm. And then in the throwing off of that rhythm, then we might find that our meals are thrown off and there can be what's known as metabolic jet lag. So because the timing of our food is a real clear indicator of those zeitgeibers, those time givers to the body of what time uh, it is and what hormones need to be released and why. When we start having inconsistent timing of when we're eating, then that can throw off a uh, confusing series of triggers to the body of, so say a very common example, when we see people starting to eat really, really much later into their day, they got a lot going on. And so now they're eating later. Now they're not getting sleepy until later. Now they're waking up because of that instability in their glucose. And uh, so we can look at those with CGMs and overlaid with certain sleep trackers. Uh, So a number of fallout just from a pragmatic standpoint is one that's very clear. The second is just the uh, lack of sustained recovery when we're not getting that sleep that we need. And so that recovery element from human growth hormone and some of those elements that are going to make a real difference in getting those results that we're putting all that time and energy and effort into counting our macros, getting to the gym, doing all these things, then we're having insufficient recovery. And so that is then ensuring that we're not getting some of those same results that we could if we were making the investment up front in, in the realm of sleep. So pretty much when you are not getting quality sleep, it's it's wiping out your willpower reserves because you're going to make, uh, to your point, horror decisions. You're probably going to be hungrier because ghrelin's up. And some of the research shows leptin is down, which means you're hungrier. You're probably going to break that fast or eat something unhealthy to get that instant glucose response hit of energy. And then you're less satisfied leading you to eat more. Is that right? That is absolutely right. And that's one of the really exciting things that can happen when we do strengthen our circadian rhythm is understanding even just from uh, ancestral uh, kind of connection that if we do think of how our patterns throughout our days would have been, you know, thousands of years ago, if there was such an alignment with the rhythms of nature when the sun would set, then, uh, you know, the the patterns of behavior that we would have been engaged in uh, would have been very reliable. It would have been challenging to go hunting and gathering food and all that sort of thing in the evening hours where now we just happen to have access to food at any given time that we want. Uh, so the regulation of leptin and ghrelin are meant to be on that circadian rhythm so that a one clear sign, if you are finding yourself very hungry at odd hours, you know, into the wee hours of the night, that can often be just a very reliable sign that there's some dysregulation within your circadian rhythm. So with the knowing that there's an intention with the body that that all kind of normalizes and downregulates in the evening so that we're not having to be as distracted by those hunger signals and so that we can sleep uninterrupted. But if they're 
kind of upside down, which certainly to use myself as an example, and um, my fiance has companies in poker. So we often were having, you know, kind of a poker-esque lifestyle, which if you know anything about poker players, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like also upside down living. And so we were in our own echo chamber of thinking that that was kind of normal. And, you know, when you see that we would be eating late into the wee hours of the morning and all of these things that we weren't connected to that were impacting not only our kind of physical health, but also that mental health and that um, emotional health, anxiety levels going up, a number of things that just were not really workable. And those, of course, can feed into our results with aiming to make a difference with our waistline, uh, our goals as it relates certainly to with keto and flexing, keto flexing. Uh, so really getting connected to utilizing sleep as that foundation to propel all of our efforts throughout the day uh, in those other areas of wellness that we often talk about. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden your fat burning hormones can do its job so you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you wanna get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com, check them out, Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. A lot of people are suffering, they're dealing with mental fatigue, brain fog, memory issues. They just don't feel sharp. And how does getting better sleep actually help you focus? And how does it help with your cognitive performance? Oh, yeah. Some people might not be familiar with this kind of a, a relatively new phrase known as glymphatic drainage. Many of us might know of lymphatic drainage, but glymphatic drainage with a G is the drainage process within the brain coming out on the first half of the night. And so within uh, deep sleep primarily, and so with, within that period of, uh, of your night, then what's the opportunity there is to clean out that level of cellular waste that's accumulating each day within the brain. And during that time, that helps with certainly with cognitive function on the short term. But then many listeners might have seen all of the, the press in, particularly within the recent past few months, uh, coming out around correlations between sleep deprivation 
and dementia, cognitive disorders, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, a number of other things that uh, many people had previously felt often, you know, adolescents, certainly years and years in advance of how to prevent. And now we're looking at the the possibility that sleep could really have that key play in there. So that's on the long-term side of things or cognitive function, but certainly on the short-term side of things. And, you know, a lot of this can land of, there's likely times when you can remember where you just woke up and you felt like you had this incredible sleep and you're bringing your A game and yet might be at a loss of how to create that consistently. I know that was me for a period of time. Like, you know, before I went through what I went through with my insomnia, there's, I could probably count on like two hands, the period of time in my life where I wake up feeling just like amazing and ready to go. And then, but would be at a loss of how to recreate that on the regular. And we actually do know that there are a number of things that we can do uh, to bring about that so that you really do have that cognitive abilities day in, day out. And I mentioned the poker players and I work with a lot of them now, and that can actually have a, you know, a monetary uh, effect of when they are able to kind of relate to themselves as cognitive athletes, the ability to come into something well-rested, they're, you know, attuned to can really make the difference for them. And, you know, so if we were all kind of take on that outlook that this can be such an incredible productivity hack and all of the nootropics and all the stats great. And this is really can be an opportunity to be the, the place to begin. Oh, yeah. And that's an interesting niche that you're in with helping those who play poker get better sleep, because you're right, it'll really help them with their productivity and with their uh, financial situation. So that's amazing. All right. So I'm sold on sleep. I already was, but you did a really fantastic job at, at reselling me as well. Now let's talk about the three legs which was psychology, physiology, environment. So let's do maybe two practical tips from each leg. Okay, great. Uh, So from the psychology leg of things, one, it's getting that assessment of kind of what's working, what's not working in our life. Uh, What we do is we do something called the sleep sabotagers. So we look at all areas of life, kind of this bird's eye view, give a self-assessment in each category and really start to get up under uh, which ones we might be ruminating about consistently throughout the course of the night, or which ones we might have almost just been resigned to and have it that, ugh, I don't even think about that area, but somehow it's kind of creeping into our psyche in the evenings. And so looking to really take action and bring in, so we bring in accountability elements there, but on your own, just getting sort of even, you know, the pen to paper element of things where you start to get clear that when we are having those sleep disturbances, it can just be such a tremendous sign from the body that something in our life is not working as well as it could, even from that psychological perspective, the management perspective of our days. So there's something for us to take action on or shift or lean into acceptance if they're, you know, many people are dealing with many different things, but what would be a new way to approach that Um, and bringing partnership and support into those, you know, realms. I deal with a lot of people that are also, you know, certainly on the heels of the pandemic, having a sense that they don't have that support. And so how can we create that in a way that works for them? And then in alignment with the psychological element of things, many people will lean into CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, uh, which can be incredible for a number of people. One group that does seem to struggle with that are those people that are quite anxious. And I was one of those people that just, so the people that have difficulty falling asleep, and that was certainly me. And so another modality that we like to lean into is called ACTI, Acceptance Commitment Therapy for Insomnia. Uh, A great book for that from a practical resource perspective is The Sleep book. We often recommend that one. There's a number of other ones that can lean into that kind of acceptance element of things. But looking at 
how we can versus resisting the thoughts that are coming into our mind when we're not sleeping and getting all ugh, stressed out about it, then instead of that kind of Chinese finger trap paradigm of kind of fighting that, instead, we're just accepting that that is the case. And then that can kind of bring us out of that piece. The physiological perspective, certainly leaning into elements of awareness, like what you're doing with all of uh, education around uh, how much diet can play a role in this. Also leaning into testing. So we have people do a number of tests, because certainly, uh, if we're dealing with thyroid issues, we're dealing with iron elements, if we're dealing with magnesium deficiencies, uh, uh, B vitamins, you know, there's a number of things that are just very common and count onable that can be disrupted for people with, and that can have a fallout with their sleep. So it behooves us to take a look at that. And one really important one from a physiological perspective is how you're breathing while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. making sure that we're not missing sleep apnea signs. A, a practical takeaway can be bringing out a snore lab. If you haven't already tried that, it's a free app that you can just play while you're sleeping just to ensure that we're not missing the fact that there might be multiple periods of you know snoring throughout the course of the night. So just getting us a number and a kind of play by play, you can even play back of the time times that you're snoring, because many people, especially if they are alone, they might not even be aware of what might be going on there. And then there are really cool new wearables that we can also test even at home. One's a night owl that's really exciting. That's, you know, it's like the size of a penny and that can be sent to you and have 10 nights worth of data to understand and really be a diagnostic tool to understand if you do have sleep apnea, you can work in tandem with the doctor on that one. But Lots of steps that you can take there from that physiological perspective. And then finally, the environmental perspective. I think many of us listening, you know, there's steps that we can always up level here because now really since Thomas Edison, you know, the uh, invention of the, of the light bulb, we've been able to live a 24 hour schedule. And I think we're only now or more recently beginning to understand the impact that that's having on our, certainly our sleep cycle, but our alertness our sleep awake ratio throughout the course of the day and into the night and how much stimulus that can, um, and how stimulating that can be. So that goes into a bit more of that circadian rhythm entrainment and two of the top down most impactful elements from that uh, realm of things are light being most important. And of course, on the flip side of light is darkness. Uh, so getting connected to your light and dark uh, environment and that's really from the moment that you wake up. I know you're a big you know, advocate for this, which is so important too, is particularly leaning into not just uh, indoor lighting, but outdoor sunlight uh, to make a difference with that resetting of that master clock each day. But then once the sun sets, then leaning into having very, very dim experience in our environment. And that's before we get into the bedroom area. So really ensuring that that is having workability. And if you're having to go out into places that are lit, you know, uh, playing with things like blue blockers, but also not being diluted that, you know, just throwing on a pair of blue blockers, but being in super bright, you know, Walmart target lighting uh, is probably going to still be affecting you. So planning accordingly there. And then the second one on that rung is temperature. But what's really fascinating about temperature is that it's, of course, relates to our ambient temperature, but then also nestled underneath temperature are all these things. So like the work you do with uh, meals type and meal timing, that can really influence that bodily temperature that we're experiencing throughout the course of the day. So really being mindful of that. I think that's one of the uh, a really big and yet under respected one of the the timing and the type of food that we're having and how much that can throw off some of those signaling. But then also, of course, exercise. And I think many of us might have a knowing that 
working out late into the evening could throw things off a bit. Uh, so looking to have that within a more of a circadian rhythm. And real quick with the food side of things, we're aiming into circadian rhythm, intermittent fasting uh, more regularly for people that often do find themselves, you know, snacking into the night or what have you. So really having that earlier kind of off time for the foods that we're eating and really aiming for four to five hours before bed, which can be quite a long period of time and outside the bell curve. So even if you're not doing that each day, testing that, especially if you do have a sleep tracker to see the difference that that can make can be really important impactful. And then within all of this, what we really want to also remember is that because sleep loves consistency so much that we want to be bringing in all of these elements, but in a consistent pattern. So because what I'll see for many people is they're tired, they just want workability. So they'll bring in, you know, one or two days, I got the sun and it didn't do anything. And I got the, you know, (laughs) uh, had the magnesium and it didn't do it or whatever. And instead, because sleep does take that time to build upon itself and the compounding effect of that. But over time, it trains us, you know, if we train ourselves to eat at a particular time, we get hungry at a particular time, there's all of that entrainment that's happens. And so it gives us a newfound respect for, you know, all of those elements that impact our sleep. Yeah, well said, you know, I've trained my body to get ready for bed around 9.15pm, 9.30. So much so, Molly, that I'm, if I'm at an event or at a party, which is not that common, but if I am, and it's like 1030 I'm exhausted. My body's like, what are you doing up past your bedtime? Like, you should be home. <laughs> Same thing for you? Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, you, what you just touched on is so powerful too, the social element of things, because the social element of things, we know that with tracking and, and for, for people that are tracking, and then you might even just common sense wise, no, yeah, okay, I'm sure drinking or, you know, smoking or what eating late with friends and all that stuff might impact my sleep. But when we have those trackers, we can often see just how much that can impact things. And that's not to say that there are not times when that's going to be really important and investing in social capital uh, can make all the sense in the world. So, you know, choosing accordingly, but being an informed choice that there is kind of that cause and effect. So the realm of chronopharmacology, looking at the timing of drugs that we might be taking, and when we say drugs, sometimes we think like more lofty, but it can just be the timing of caffeine, the timing of your supplements, the timing of anything that you're ingesting that can influence the quality of your sleep. So that's a big one because social jet lag is a term that's been coined to relate to the very common effects of pretty consistent sleep patterns throughout maybe the course of the week or depending on your schedule, but then you engage in, you know, kind of out of the norm schedule for you for social benefit or more what I see more often is I I see the social element of things, but then also just seeing people just going down the rabbit hole on Netflix because it's the weekend or the phone or whatever, just to have a sense of off time. And then unfortunately not getting connected to the impact that that can have on their sleep and sort of this kind of, I think really, really an opportunity for education around when we do have those augmented sleep patterns at certain points of our week with the intention that this is actually a good thing for me. I'm catching up on my sleep. You know, this is, I'm listening to my body, all those things, which there are times, of course, when we're sick or things that we're dealing with. And if this is our regular pattern of managing, then there's an opportunity to lean into what can be possible when we have consistent sleep schedules, Um, incredible studies looking at benefits to even getting what appear like lower total amounts of sleep, you know, in the seven hours or six hour time frame, but when it's consistent, being actually preferable to nine hours, 
four hours, seven hours, you know, those up, down, all arounds. So that can be an empowering one too for a lot of people that might, you know, be challenged to achieve a certain particular number or what have you. Just knowing even that beginning with consistency can make all the difference to start. There are so many researched benefits to having good fat in your diet, but there is just one little problem with all this healthy fat. If you can't properly digest the fat in your diet, chances are you won't feel that great. And a lot of people lack the one key nutrient needed to digest fat. To really get the best results from any diet, whether it's carnivore, paleo, keto, or even vegan, I found there are three things that can really help optimize your results. First, enhance your digestion and elimination. Second, boost your cellular energy. And third, rev up your fat-burning metabolism. And one of the best aids to a ketogenic lifestyle that I've ever found comes from my friends over at Bioptimizers, and it's called Capex. What Capex does is three things. First, it breaks down the fats you eat into fatty acids using a proprietary lipase and dandelion extract blend. Most people aren't eating a lot more good fat in their diet these days. This means you're breaking down the dietary fat into usable energy and not storing it. Second, they transport those fatty acids into the muscles and in the liver. And they have several ingredients that dramatically increase the fatty acid oxidation inside your mitochondria, both in your muscles and liver. In other words, it's more fuel into your motor and more horsepower for your motor. If you take three to five capsules of K-Pax in the morning on an empty stomach, the energy is incredible. It feels like a cup of coffee and it lasts six to 10 hours and there's no nervous system stimulation. It works incredible as a pre-workout and even without caffeine. It's one of my go-tos when I'm in a fasted state. Now, it won't make up for bad eating or eating lots of excess calories, especially from processed foods and seed oils, but the research shows that it can raise metabolic rate and boost other fat loss hormones. I highly suggest trying it for yourself. And when you go to kenergize.com slash ketocamp, that's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E forward slash ketocamp, camp with a K, you'll automatically get 10% off any package of Capex with the coupon code KETOCAMP10. That is K-E-T-O-K-A-M-P-1-0. We will also drop a link for you down below in the podcast notes. So if somebody is going to bed at 10 p.m. each night and they wake up at 6 a.m., 10 p.m., 6 a.m., and they're pretty good most days, and then they went out on a Friday night and they're out past 1 a.m., on Saturday morning, should they wake up at 6 a.m. or should they get the extra sleep? Yeah, great question. So this one I think is like the game-changing one, so you're asking fantastic questions because if we lean into that we still even with that sort of night behind us that we still lean into largely about the same wake up time now you can have a little bit of buffer usually what is called that is like plus or minus uh, 30 minutes on either side you know you wake up a little bit earlier wake up a little bit later Uh, but in this case you know buffering that a bit so that you get a little bit more sleep but it's still right in that same ballpark that can actually be such a game-changing element for people because then they know how to you know have their cake and eat it too, so to say, or how to engage and um, invest in that time with uh, people that are important to them, do you know what's out there, really make that conscious choice, but then still not be uh, disrupting their circadian rhythm, disrupting their sleep for that following night and nights after, because our sleep still tends, it still tries to stay on that same rhythm and pattern. 
It's still aiming to get that deep sleep at around the same time, REM sleep at around the same time, light sleep throughout. And so if we do throw that off, then uh, the architecture can go a bit awry. And so even while you might be getting longer total hours, so like in the uh, other option of you just sleep in longer, often the quality of that sleep is Mm -hmm. not where you're looking for it to be anyway. So it's kind of out of all uh, either of those options, you're likely still going to feel tired. So instead, opt for in training that rhythm and keeping that strong. Great answer. Yeah. So what is a general optimal time frame to get uh, deep sleep and REM sleep? Yeah. So that's a big one because our penchant is for aligning with the rhythms of nature as much as possible. And we know that uh, many people will lean into a conversation around chrono uh, chronotypes and I'm this way, I'm that way. And there's still kind of some different debate on that topic from the extent you know, certainly are um, there's a variance between different people and different timing for their sleep. Of course, we know that uh, seemed to be a reality for people. And yet at the same time, I I think there's an opportunity to look into those preconceived notions of I'm this way, I'm that way, just because it's always been that way because of how much the entrainment element of things that we talked about influence the results that people are getting so far. So, but that there's so much that can be entrained that can further align them a bit more closer to those rhythms of nature. You know, there's great studies, University of Colorado had done a great study where they looked at bringing people into the wilderness, taking them out of all that tech and all those things that they were connected to, many of them going to bed very late and within a relatively short period of time, beginning to entrain and finding them themselves going to bed much more aligned with those rhythms, just with an element of automaticity that was kind of surprising to participants. So just noticing that there can be that shift, but if we can make that penchant towards aligning with those rhythms, that is going to really make a difference because what we do know is that shift workers are grouped by the World Health Organization as uh, possible carcinogenic, unfortunately, of um, working in those shift-like patterns. And it's unfortunate because they're so important to the functioning of our society. And yet it is important for us to know that to be the case so that either if we are, um, if that is a must and we are maintaining that lifestyle, that even more so behooves us to look at this area and really dive into the skill set so that we can almost create a faux circadian rhythm that for them that is strengthened outside of the rhythm of sunrise and sunset. I would argue that poker players are are night shift workers, aren't they? (laughs) They certainly are. And, you know, they've got even the environment that is set on purpose to uh, be confusing. You know, with the casinos, it's, uh, you know, no windows, uh, artificial lights, no sign of sun. So all of that is going to absolutely, you know, upset the workability of your body. And not to mention very uh, high kind of tilt. So, you know, extreme, you know, adrenaline, super extreme excitement and super lows. And so how to ride those waves or sometimes boredom within there, but uh, there's a lot of experience that they'll have at the table. So yes, yes, for sure. So Molly, where's the best place for the keto campers to go check out your courses, the work that you're doing, maybe they want to work with you, share a little bit more where they could reach you. 
Sure, absolutely. So uh, sleep is a skill works as the real bucket for all the things. So sleepisaskill.com, you go there and we have a sleep assessment that you can take. And within that sleep assessment, you'll get an auto trigger response of resources that you can put to use for what you're dealing with with your sleep right away. Because I love some of your questions too. It's like, okay, give us some practical things because that is really the juice of it too. And often that can get us excited to go down this path of, oh yeah, I can optimize this and bring about kind of that, you know, enthusiasm, that student element. So uh, you can begin there. That also signs you up for a weekly newsletter. So we aim to make it, you know, the most obsessive sleep newsletter on the planet. So all the latest and greatest things that are happening in the world of sleep, but also lots of sleep experiments, lots of, you know, kind of charts and graphs of sleep trackers and things that are, you know, whether it's our clients or other people are testing out or myself. Uh, So you can kind of look there to see what you can learn from that perspective. We also have the weekly podcast with our aim to bring about lots of information from all kinds of experts, but also looking at the future of kind of sleep tech and, you know, bringing that realm of excitement there. But then if you are really dealing with your, you know, the workability of your sleep and you'd like to have more support, then we have both options of one-on-one 90-day packages and cohort models so that as a group, you can kind of get that connection of the group and see also, but the gamification of what their results are. We have everyone wearing an aura ring at the very least, no, you know, affiliation, just that they're great. And, you know, so at least you do have that as that baseline marker. But also many people will take a look at some other tracking elements that they can bring in to uh, further facilitate their results. So whether common ones being like the CGMs, uh, like we're kind of speaking to, or we have to have people wear the LEAF, L-I-E-F, which is a daytime HRV tracker to look at kind of stress levels, but also ways to um, help calm the nervous system kind of at will is what we're training for when needed so that we can bring that about at night more easily. So those are some of the ways. And of course, we're on all the social platforms and what have you. Yes, you are. So sleepisaskill.com to go check out more of Molly's work. Go subscribe to her podcast, Sleep is a Skill Podcast. I love that name. Great job getting that domain and the whole business. I think it's a fantastic name. So congrats on that. You and I both have the gift and curse of an obsessive, uh, if you want to call it addictive, um, type of uh, personality. But it's really cool to see somebody use that energy. I think it's a lot of amazing energy in that for something good because you're serving the world. And uh, I'm right there with you. I, I channel that energy into serving the world as well. So I love what you're doing, Molly. I want to acknowledge you for the work that you do in this world, how you show up, not just with your knowledge. I think your knowledge is outstanding, but also your energy and attitude and enthusiasm. Those are things that I actually believe are more important than knowledge for success and just connection is attitude and enthusiasm. And you bring that and you bring it all the time, at least with my relationship with you. So thank you for showing up in this world. Thank you for the podcast today, the episode, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I want to echo that for you. It's rare that I meet people that are just such a light, such enthusiasm, such excitement uh, for the work that they're doing, the the difference that they can make, sharing vulnerably. So uh, it's just been nothing but a pleasure and excited for more. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share what I'm passionate about as well. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Molly is amazing with communicating this powerful tool, which is the Swiss Army Knife of Health called Sleep. Definitely go check out her information, her website, her social media links. Everything can be found in the podcast notes down below. 
and go follow her on social media. Go get into her programs and let's fix your sleep for good. If you got any value from this conversation, please leave the show a rating and a review on Apple Podcast as that makes a big difference and text this to a friend. Text this episode to somebody you believe would take value from a conversation like this. Maybe it's somebody you know who's not getting quality sleep. And if they just listen to this episode, it will make a big difference for them. So send it to them, copy and paste it into a text message, post it on your social media. Let's get the word out on the foundation of health called sleep. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I will see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.